0: Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of Bridge the Gap, where we're balancing life through health, wealth, business, and relationships. All right. Hello, everyone. My name is Colton Cockrell, and I don't have my lovely co-host with me, Trisha Stetzel, who's usually here. She's on a well-deserved vacation. So everybody, I got a great guest today. Uh, this month, we are talking about health and wellness, wrapping it up. And who better to wrap up the, the month than our very own resident doctor is Dr. Roxanne Edrington, who's talking to us about a healthy lifestyle. Dr. Rox, what is going on?
1: Nothing much. Thank you for having me.
0: Of course. And you, you've done this plenty of time, so you can probably tell us who today's sponsor is. You want to give it a guess?
1: Um, could it be the Share McKinley Group?
0: Great job. Look at that. You didn't even know. You just made that up, but that is, yes, that is our sponsor today. So, Dr. Roxanne, we are going to take kind of a strange start to the show. People are going to probably think this is a weird question, but I think it's very important Let's talk about that food that people make, or maybe they go out to a restaurant, they get their food to go in a styrofoam container, they meal prep, they put everything in plastic Tupperware, put in the refrigerator, ready to eat it again. They throw that in the microwave, whether it's styrofoam, whether it's plastic, whatever. How bad is that for your food? Or is it
1: bad? Right. So um, the answer is yes. It it can toxic. can leach into the food so styrofoam and oh I cringe I see this sometimes people get coffee and it's in styrofoam and I'm just like oh my gosh because when you put your coffee and it's hot and you put it in a styrofoam glass basically what happens now you're leaching styrenes and benzene into your coffee so now you're just having this nice pleasant toxic coffee drink And the other thing I see people do is they might, after they've already put coffee in this styrofoam glass and they're drinking it or cup, it's not a glass, a cup, then after it cools down, then they stick it in the microwave to warm up the coffee. And again, you're leaching more uh, styrenes and um, benzene. So it's terrible. And same with plastics. Plastics are not good. Sometimes people will put leftovers in a plastic Tupperware. They put it in the refrigerator. They take it to work, which I'm very excited that they're meal prepping and they're taking it to work. But when they throw it in the microwave, there's phthalates, there's polyphenyl chlorides, there's all kinds of stuff found in the plastins that will leach into your food. So whether you're grabbing styrofoam containers from a fast food place, whether the food is cold or hot, it doesn't matter. It's still going to leach into it. Or if you're reheating your food in the same to-go containers, whether you're heating that up or whether you're just doing Tupperware, plastic Tupperware and heating up in the microwave, you are leaching this stuff into your food and that is not good. The alternative is to use glass. I have little Pyrex dishes, uh, like Tupperware um, glass that I use to pack my food in it after I cook it because it's glass. So when the warm food is hitting the glass, it's not going to be leaching all those toxins. And then when, if I reheat it in the microwave, again, the glass is not going to leach anything into the food.
0: Sounds like the most, I mean, even if you take food to go in styrofoam where you are storing stuff in plastic Tupperware. Sounds like just dumping it out into a bowl, something like that. Again, that's not plastic or styrofoam. Putting that in the microwave, pretty easy transfer. Uh, you dirty an additional dish, but hey, it's your health. So all these, I can't even say them. You're the one that has the degree to say all these complicated words. Uh, what is the side effects or the negative impact that those things have, the stuff that's leaching into our food?
1: Yeah, so some of the chemicals actually, they're endocrine disruptors. Which mean that, you know, we have estrogen, testosterone, and other hormones in our body. Some of these toxins can actually cause the testosterone that we have to convert to estrogen. So it is disrupting our hormone balance. Women, they're all of a sudden their estrogen levels are increasing and they don't know why. And men, their testosterone hormones are going down and their estrogen numbers are going up. So that's one of the things it can do. Another thing, it just makes you toxic. So, you know, your liver will do. best it can to try to get rid of the toxins out of your system but as it increases the toxicity you will have signs and symptoms of feeling poisoned which means if you if you look at any article or any magazine that talks about being chronic poisoned, whether it's from chemicals or whether it's even from cyanide whatever it's from these are the symptoms you'll get headache exhaustion um, stomach discomfort joint pain fatigue i mean all these things could be a a sign that maybe you have too many of these toxins in your body and um, nobody wants to feel like that. So getting that stuff out of your system would be a good idea.
0: Um, So let's talk about this. This is actually a very interesting question. This might be kind of strange for our male listeners, but let's talk about birth control. Now birth control, it's prescribed like candy. What are the benefits of it and what are the negative impacts that it can cause, but what is it actually doing to your body?
1: So the benefits of birth control is you don't get pregnant. Yeah, you're right. Maybe, but there's other ways that you can work on that. The negative is, I mean, think about it. And this is the easiest way for listeners to understand. Basically what birth control pills do is they whack out your hormones so bad that you couldn't get pregnant, even if you wanted to. Usually they're synthetic hormones. So what they do is they bind to the receptors, how hormones work. You have a cell, you have a It's like a little lily pad that's on a cell and a hormone will come and bind to the little lily pad and create an action. Well, the normal human estrogen or testosterone, they'll bind, they'll do their, um, what they're supposed to do and they release and they're done. But the synthetic types of hormones will bind to the receptor and stay there like 10 times longer. Mm -hmm. So it's not like you're just getting a little hit of the estrogen, which is good. It is sitting there and it's constantly making these hits. So you're going to have, A very, very profound uh, response from that cell with the estrogen, which is going to cause all kinds of negative symptoms down the road. So although birth control can be helpful to, you know, for people that um, don't want to have children, whether it's a financial reason or whatever, but on the other on the other side of it, it's it whacks out your body so bad and it creates so many imbalances. It can down the road. Continue. Even when people are ready to have kids, I see a lot of people continue to have problems getting pregnant because it's just whacked out their hormones so much. And it's so toxic. And some people, when they're on birth control pills for a while, they can also have thyroid problems and everything else because all that estrogen can cause your thyroid to be less effective, which means now you're going to start showing signs of low thyroid. And then now you're going to have to need to get on thyroid medication you know, cause now, and, and you're gonna have weight gain and all those other things.
0: Some people prescribe it too, just for, for acne.
1: And I just think that um, I know that it's been around for a super long time and everyone feels like it's safe. Usually what I say, why do you have acne? It's definitely not because you need more synthetic estrogen or need more synthetic testosterone. That has nothing really to do with it. You're getting acne because obviously something's going on with your hormones. They're not getting cleared out of your system fast enough or you're eating food allergies, or there's other reasons why people are getting acne. And again, it's definitely not because they need more estrogen or testosterone. So by giving birth control to clear it up, which it can, we got to figure out why you're getting acne and we need to deal with that. Generally, people, when they hit puberty, they get a lot of acne just because they have so much hormones flooding through their system. Their, their liver and stuff can't detox it enough. So when you sweat, it's coming out of your skin. And now you're getting all these things. So instead of giving a drug, why don't we find a way to gently detox the body so we can get those hormones out, the excessive hormones out in a normal way instead of, you know, giving a pill that just makes sure your, your skin stays dry.
0: What so, a lot of people that were in a hurry, um, you know eating vegetables, people, it's not necessarily they have an issue with that, but a lot of people think it's more convenient to juice their vegetables or their fruits and consume them that way versus eating them. What's the pros and cons of uh, juicing versus just actually eating and yeah. chewing your vegetables? Right.
1: So I think I think juicing vegetables is great for maybe people who cannot eat vegetables. Um, They just can't stand it. But the problem when you juice really you're only getting the liquid you're pretty much taking out the the pulp the fiber the other things so it changes the vegetable from 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 being like a low glycemic index uh, vegetable to not necessarily it's going to be high glycemic but when you juice you use. Like instead of uh, one celery stalk, you might do four celery stalks or five celery stalks. And, and so now you're, you're eating, um, to get a little bit of juice, you have to throw in so many vegetables, which now, you know, vegetables do have some carbohydrates. So now you're, you've added a lot of carbohydrates to that drink and most juicers take out the fiber and the pulp. So when you eat vegetables... The purpose of vegetables one of the reasons you get a lot of antioxidants which you're going to get in the juice but you also want the fiber because that's what slows down that food when you digest so you take the fiber out now it's just straight antioxidant liquid which can cause people some susceptible people they can be sensitive to it because it can make their blood sugar get uh, out of whack which is now going to make them more hungry it's going to give them headaches they're not going to feel good they're not going to have good energy there are a lot of people though that can juice and feel fantastic and they feel fantastic. Some people do, because I think they're getting a sugar dump so it does feel good for about 30 minutes, but later on, they can find out that they're having lows and highs during the day. So I always feel like eating vegetables in their normal form is probably better because you're getting all the fiber, you're getting everything to allow it to get in your system at a slower rate.
0: The potency it sounds like of the vegetables and fruits Or it's stronger whenever you're eating it versus when you're juicing. And it sounds like you're actually spending more money juicing versus just eating it uh, in the raw, or I guess cooked form.
1: Yeah. So, but when you juice the one, the one benefit from it for some people that just, um, they're like, let's say people that are trying to recover from cancer, people that are really, really sick, uh, juicing is really good with all like kale and all these vegetables because now they're able, because they're just, they're having a hard time eating. Now they're able to get in lots of nutrients, high packed form of nutrients in their body. So there's pros and cons. And depending on what your purpose or what your reasoning behind juicing, if you're just doing it because uh, that you're just going to juice all day, that's probably going to work against you. But if you truly have some kind of um, sickness that you're trying to deal with, sometimes juicing is, is perfect for them, but it's going to be more like kale. You're not going to do a lot of fruits in there because fruits are sugar. So imagine to make apple juice, real apple juice, you have to throw in like five apples. So now it's like eating five apples without. So that's a lot of sugar. Right. Yeah. So doing the vegetable juicing, you know, is fine. But you also want to make sure you get protein. And I want to say I'm not against juicing for people that are um, that are sick, have digestive issues and are just trying to get some form of nutrition in them. But for the average person, you know, you could juice one time a day, but don't do it all day long because now you're not eating food. And it's, I would say, the way God made it, the form yeah. that's best for your body. If I juice, I can. That's why I don't juice. I've tried to juice before just vegetables. And I can tell I can tell by the way it makes me feel. To me, it's almost feels almost the same as me having a piece of bread. I can tell my blood sugar's whacked yeah. and within 30 minutes, I feel tired and it just doesn't do for me what it, you know, so I know because I am sensitive to my blood sugar. I know that that was a, that it definitely affects me adversely.
0: I think all of our listeners were like, oh, this woman doesn't eat bread. Well, I'm, I'm, <laughs> out. I I, I'm, I'm, I'm out of the conversation. <laughs>
1: And everything in moderation. You know what? There's no such thing about being perfect. It's that 80-20 rule. Monday through Friday, I try to do pretty good. And on the weekends, that's when I will eat stuff that I normally, whether it's dessert, whether it's cookies, whether it's whatever. I will eat off my diet um, if I want to on the weekends. And that's the 80-20 rule.
0: All right. So this is from one of our more sophisticated listeners. Is a daily glass of wine healthy?
1: Maybe. That's all I'm going to say. This is how (laughs) I'm going to explain it. So some people, I feel people that are super stressed out, they're stressed stress to the max. If they come home and have like six ounces of wine, red wine, that if that takes the edge off of their stress, that might be a good thing just because they're not making all that cortisol. They're taking the edge off. They're kind of relaxing They're That could be for on, on a stress Someone's super, super stressed out. Now, if you're just come home and you're like, oh, today was a busy day and you have wine, that's not going to work. But there's some people that are super stressed out majorly. And by having just six ounces, not a whole bottle, not 12 ounces, six ounces of wine is enough to take the edge off of their stress, which lowers their cortisol and they feel more calm. I think that could be healthy. However, In six ounces of wine, there is 10 sugar packets. In 12 ounces of wine, there is equivalent to 20 sugar packets. If you come home every day and have a big glass of wine, say 12 ounces of wine, you are doing 20 sugar packets a day. And if you do that seven days a week, now we're looking at 140 sugar packets. So it's, you know, yes, there's resveratrol in it, but my gosh, if I'm having 140, you know, sugar packets, that resveratrol is not going to help that fat dump. I mean, that dump of glucose that's going to put all belly fat on me. Unfortunately, for people that have a little bit more, if they know they have some blood sugar issues, they have grandparents that were diabetic or someone in their family, you know, uh, even great grandparents that were diabetic, you probably will not get away with doing that one glass of wine because you are already predisposed to responding to sugar different than other people. So the answer is yes and no.
0: Leave to Dr. Roxanne to bring in sugar with the answer. I love it. Well, Dr. And then let
1: me tell you this. Someone's going to do this. Well, what if I do beer? What if I come home and have a couple beers? Three beers has equivalent of 20 sugar packets. So if you do one beer, now you're looking at maybe seven sugar packets. Some people say, well, I like to come home and do a little makers, you know, maybe a little bourbon, a little bit of water. That's it. Three shots is equivalent to 20 sugar packets. So even if you do one or two shots, um, in that glass. Now you're looking at about 14 sugar packets. So it just adds up. So all alcohol, even if it says no sugar added, there is sugar alcohol in every bit of alcoholic beverages, which means that sugar,
0: man, you're going to, everyone's going to start drinking. Now they're going to look at their glass and they're going to take a better look at it like, man,
1: all the moderation, but, well, but you know, people do come in and they say, you know, what is it they'll do a bottle of, of wine like, you know, a couple of days a week, you know, yeah. just once they open it, they just finish it. Well, gosh, that is probably, I don't even know <laughs> more than 60 sugar packets.
0: Well, I, uh, I definitely walked away here thinking I probably need to scale back when I have a bourbon. So, uh, Dr. Roxanne, thank you so much for being on the show today, everybody. Um, she does have a book out about sugar and gut health called don't feed the sugar monster. Make sure you check that out for your children. Um, and Dr. Roxanne, again, thank you for being here. This concludes this week's podcast. Tune in next week where we are going to be in a different month. You know what that means? Different topics. So everyone enjoy your week and I will talk to you then. Thanks again for tuning into this week's podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast with the most important people in your life. Colton Cocker with Sherman McKinley Group LLC is located at 820 South Friendswood Drive, Suite 207, Friendswood, Texas 77546, phone number 281-992-5698. Securities and investment advisory services offered through Next Financial Group, Inc., member FINRACIPIC. Sherman McKinley Group is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group, Inc.